I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Studying, studying, studying. Here comes Cooper onto that outside move again. Cooper, outside. Can he pull the move? Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside. Never seen that done through Mosses. And look at the run that Matt Cooper has. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show of record. The show that really matters. The show that, well, it just puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? Yes. We are back. Episode number 43 of Rumble Strip Radio. It is the Jason Pridmore edition of the show. As always, I am your host, the Duke, and it is with pleasure that I do welcome you back to, uh, well, to the show that, it, you know, likes to mix it up once in a while. So I would uh, like to thank all the people who continue to listen. And I'd also like to welcome in all the new people who are listening, including a very special person who's li- who uh, I received a note from this week. And, well, it's one of those things that just doesn't make your day or your week or your month. And pretty much has made my year. So Welcome. Toby Moody, as a listener of Rumble Strip Radio. Toby sent me a, uh, a nice little note earlier, uh, actually on Monday, Sunday or Monday. Must have been Monday. And uh, said he had just listened to the uh, the show, The Guitar Wrap, the, uh, excuse me, The Cutter Wrap-Up. And uh, seemed to like it. So uh, hopefully we'll be getting uh, Toby on the show one of these days. And um, waiting to hear back from an email I sent him. So we'll see. So, Toby, thank you for listening, and um, hope we can get you on the show here real soon. Well, let's get the administrative stuff out of the way, as we have a a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, Of course, the email where you can send all your feedback to, positive, negative, general comments, whatever you want to do, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Of course, the website is www.rumblestripradio.com, and when you surf on over there, we ask you to... uh, Click through some of the links that we have, maybe do a search or two off the Google search bar there, and that will uh, help the show with the couple pennies that Google will kick our way for you doing that. Uh, The button to sign up for emusic.com is still up, although I think that's going to be coming down here very shortly. Haven't had anyone sign up here in the last month or so, so I believe it's time to replace that and bring something new on board. So if you have any thoughts of what you'd like to see there, what you may be interested in buying, and if you were to do it, you know, click through the buying through us, uh, we would get a kickback on that. Please send it over to us, uh, rumblestripradio at gmail.com, and um, we'll see what we can do. Uh, Also, the buttons over there, don't forget to uh, dig us over at dig.com. If you're a member over at dig, um, 
you can either go to our website and dig us right directly off that, or you can head on over to dig.com, go over to the podcast section, do a uh, search for Rumble Strip Radio, and you can dig us right there. So the more people that dig us, so much the better. Um, and the sunglasses. Yes, our giveaway. Oh, sorry. Uh, I actually have my notes written down. I'm going in order of my notes and yeah, a couple things out of order here. Um, the show last week, or therefore the lack of, well, I do apologize. The weather here in Little Baghdad has been a little goofy. We've gone from 40 to 80. Um, actually, it was 80 earlier today. Now it's in the 50s. It's, anyways, it's killing my sinuses, and it doesn't matter how much medication I take. Um, the pounding in the back or behind my eyeballs, um, gets to the tolerable level, but to sit and record a show and look at stuff and concentrate, no, sorry, couldn't do it last week. So I do apologize. Um, And as far as our winner for the sunglasses giveaway, that was Brandon Fox. He is a Wira racer out of Maryland, so I'm sure as the season comes in, um, he'll be uh, appreciating a new pair of shades. These were the uh, Bertoni sunglasses that we picked up. At the Indie Dealer Show, uh, well, it's almost two months now, or a month and a half ago now. And uh, I did promise Brandon I was going to get those in the mail to him as soon as possible. And in fact, I went to go mail them to him, and my truck won't start. And um, I think I know what the problem is. I think I need a fuel pump, so, and we're working on getting that fixed. So I'm currently uh, non-mobile at the moment because the motorcycle, while the uh, weather is fine for riding. It has no uh, current plates or insurance on it, so the uh, motorcycle will stay in the garage. Thank you very much. So, uh, Brandon, I'll get those out to you uh, just as soon as I can. And I think that will take care of the administrative stuff here. Let's uh, let's talk about the news, and oh boy, is there a ton of it. Um, Going to catch up on some of it from last week here. And not so much over the last few days that I've seen anything of note, but uh, let's just go through some of the stuff that I do have um, as some as some stuff of, of what I thought was some interest here. Uh, Pablo Chibati, who was uh, the CEO of Ducati for uh, since the buyout of uh, from uh, since Texas Pacific Group bought him out and took him private, I believe. As uh, one, oh, excuse me, I said Pablo. It's Paulo. He uh, he stepped down here, what, about three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago? And uh, as someone jokingly said, and it was one of those funny but hugely groaning uh, jokes, uh, Paolo Chibati took his bread and went home. So, yeah, that was a real groaner. But uh, apparently he signed now uh, uh, with FG Sport, the people who run World Superbike. And that was an easy transition, I would imagine. So we'll see. Haven't really seen too much of what he's going to be doing over there, other than he was brought on as a. Con- but um, what changes that will make? Whether he's going to be um, kind of spearheading uh, a buyout by someone else, um, not sure. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the World Superbike guys. And uh, it's a big weekend coming up here this weekend at Donington. We'll get to. Excuse me, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, coming into Donington, there's been uh, quite a bit of news. Uh, First off, Steve Martin looked to have lost his ride with DFX and uh, was highly pissed at that. 
because the one of the reasons he signed with DFX was he was assured they had funding to run him for the whole year because he had other offers. Uh, he felt the DFX bikes was the uh, best bike to give him a shot. And I'm not saying the championship, but the best shot, you know, for the season. And, well, they may or may not have enough money to run him. It, uh, I think it, it was today, as we record this on uh, Tuesday, the uh, 27th of May, of May, March, jumping ahead of myself already, that they are now going to run him pretty much on a race-by-race basis as the as they have the money. They are, there's maybe guaranteeing him two or three races, and then after that it's race-by-race. So Steve Martin, i tell you what, he's... Uh, I would almost look for him to podium this weekend just because he's going to be so highly pissed, but we'll see what happens there. Also, um, Giovanni Busai will be returning to the World Superbike Paddock for the next couple rounds, uh, running with the Stelgarda team and also with some, uh, looks to be some major, uh, well, actually, not doesn't look to be, it actually is some major uh, sponsorship from Alfa Romeo. They're, they're, they got a little bit of a gimmick thing going. I'm sure you've seen the pictures where he's got the 159, Alpha, Alpha 159, that's the latest car they're pushing, right? And some little tow thing behind it, and they're going to have, you know, quote, his quote-unquote his race bike towing behind it as he goes to the next two rounds. Well, I'm I'm betting that's not really his race bike. It might be a display bike, but, well, there you go. But still, it's cool to see um, uh, Alpha, I mean, they really jumped in head first this year into sponsoring World Superbike, which is cool. And it's good to see uh, Giovanni back in the paddock. I mean, one of the all-time good guys there. Um, so as I have a little note here to myself, War Grizzly Adams re- return and War return to the fringe. So you, if you've seen a picture of Giovanni, you get the idea when I call him Grizzly Adams and if you've seen him race, you understand based on his leather. So it's, those of you not familiar with his work, how's that? Um, the other thing I noticed from the World Superbike test week and a half ago now is that um, Ruben, my boy Ruben, is running uh, the Triple One this year. I guess that's because uh, Troy Corser is back running the number 11. So I guess he had dibs on 11 even though Ruben la- la- ran it last year. I don't know. Don't pretend to understand, but so Zaus has gone for the uh, the old Aaron Slight number. I'm just wondering if he's going to show up with a mohawk and you know multicolored mohawk here in the next couple of rounds, just to pay tribute, right? Well, maybe if they were running a New Zealand round of the show. Uh, anyways, uh, and of course, World Superbikes are running at Donington this weekend, and it is a huge, huge weekend for the for. Uh, for World Superbikes uh, being at Donathan this weekend because it was basically 20 years ago, um, not quite to the date, but close enough to the date, that uh, Steve McLaughlin brought uh, World Superbikes kind of to, um, you know, gave birth to it, and it uh, and it kicked off here at Donington. And I guess I've got a ton of festivities planned for it, but if I read something correctly, Carl Fogarty is not going to be part of it. Tell me how much sense that makes. The man who sort of defined superbikes in the mid-90s, he's a Brit, it's at Donington, and no Fogarty. Okay. Tell me that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, by the way, there's a. I think in next week's show, I'm going to uh, to put some clips in. Um, someone from the Right on Tube board, and I want to say it's Twaggy, Twiggy, somebody like that, somebody from the UK, was at a gathering last year before the MotoGP race at Donington, and there is a recording with uh, Casey Stoner and Colin Edwards. And a few others in there too, but uh, it, it's about an hour long um, interview, which I won't put up the whole thing. But I, I'm going to take some clips out of there with something that was really funny. Are there actually a lot of things that were really funny, both both Casey and Colin? <laughs> and uh, I, I I I wish I could remember the context context of the whole thing, but um, it had something that there was context of a bike not running well or not being competitive. I think they were talking about Ilmore. Maybe they were talking about Ilmore. Maybe they're talking about something else. One of the, some other bike, but it says you know it was something. It wasn't just bad. It was it was Patronus bad. So I thought that was quite funny talking about Fogarty's old team. Anyways, um, so we'll talk a little. We'll talk a little bit more about um, this coming up weekend at Donington. But uh, that should be a pretty good uh, pretty good deal and. Uh, any anybody in the UK who uh, who listens to the show regularly and is headed out over there, drop us a line over at rumblestripradio at gmail dot com. Let us know how that goes, or if you've got the ability to record something, um, send some audio over. You know, record it and um, send it on over. We'll uh, maybe we can use it. That'd be kind of cool. There was a, a thing in the BBC today, or uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the BBC News on uh, online. Uh, it was a interview with James Toslin talking about how he wanted to go to uh, MotoGP, but before he did that, he wanted to win the World Superbike Championship first. That he uh, that he had the offer, that was an offer on the table for him to go to Dantine, um, but he turned it down because he didn't want to go without winning the championship, and he signed with Tenkata for the year because they, if I, not an exact quote, but it's something along the lines of, we outpointed uh, Bayless the last seven or eight races and it was an upward trend on points so i figured we could carry that momentum and i had a good shot at the championship so uh, i guess he wants one more feather in his cap and wants to show that the um 05 championship right yeah 05 championship <laughs> and think about that for a second well uh, was uh, was legit that he's a capable rider uh, before he moves on to uh, to MotoGP, and if I had to take a shot at where he would slot in, if he stays as a Honda rider, although he's shown well this year, you got to believe um, he might uh, he might slot into the LCR team and replace Checa. I don't know. That's that's a serious swag right there. So we'll see what happens. Also, uh, Steve Parrish had a chance to ride uh, Hopkins' bike, and it was uh, for a segment that was going to air on uh, BBC Two. And if anyone has that, I'd, uh, if you would either send me a link to it, uh, or the actual you have the actual video you could uh, send over, um, that'd be very cool. I would like to see that if that package has aired. I can't remember if that was an air date in April or if that was airing uh, sooner. So would uh, would like to see that uh, would like to see that package. So, of course, uh, some of the big news coming into uh, Jerez this weekend was that uh, Kenny Roberts' team appeared to get a, a decent cash infusion um, from, it was a combination deal that was 
F1 Max, who is a promotion or a marketing company. You know, it was sort of unclear exactly what they did. And uh, also Treasure Island and, and, you know, and the, and the uh, city of Las Vegas. So hopefully they got a, a decent chunk of cash. And uh, we'll, that was what the, the team needed to sustain themselves at a high level here <clears throat> Excuse me for the rest of the year. Interesting, uh, interesting job because I had or paint job on it because I've never really seen the uh, small TI logo that was on the right side of the bike as the Treasure Island logo before. And they're going, maybe they're redoing it. Who knows? Um, and then of course you have the skull and crossbones on the left side of the uh, of the fairing. No word yet from Dean Adams whether he intends to pursue uh, Kenny in a lawsuit for copyright infringement from the. Uh, logo for amasuperbike.com. So that's more of a joke than anything. But hey. little uh, little levity never hurt anyone. And then uh, final piece of news here before we uh, jump into some race coverage and a few other things is uh, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, Tony George was on the Wind Tunnel Show with Dave Despain. And one of the things they did talk about was the possibility of the MotoGP coming to Indy in 08 and he said it was a 50 50 proposition at this time but things looked good and of course they talked about the layout and some issues there and the and what they decided is that they would run the layout counterclockwise or anti-clockwise for our uh, british and australian friends i guess new zealand too right um and that they've talked with the FI, uh, FIM about that, and I guess the FIA was there as well to look at the layout because if they change it for to run MotoGP, they'll change it to run Formula One as well. Look, I'm, I, I'll go back to what I said before. I think it's great if this happens from the standpoint that the U.S. gets a second race, that it's more in East and not quite East Coast, but at least east of the Mississippi race, so you get the different uh, group of people that could come. It's great for me because I can drive down there in five hours to go to the race. Hotels are good in the you know for Indianapolis. Uh, there's an abundance of hotels there, so it's not. I don't think we have to worry about paying three and four hundred dollars a night for, you know, the no tell motel like you do in Monterey and Salinas and and the surrounding area around Laguna Seca. Uh, they have the infrastructure to handle it. I mean, come on, they handle, well, in the past they've handled, you know, 400,000 people going in and out of that place for uh, for the 500. Um, I think they get, what, about 150,000 for uh, for the neck car boys. So, I mean, for the if, if they get 60,000, you know, that, that'll be no big deal for them to get people in and out of there and have the facilities for it. So that's all good. That's all positive. I mean, they'll be able to draw from huge markets of, um, I th what did I do? I did the math before, but within a six-hour drive, we have, um, all right, sorry, I'm going to do the math in my head here again, four, 10, 12, you know, it, probably in excess of 20 million people within a six-hour drive, which that's a big group to draw from. And, and that, you know, this area tends to draw pretty well. If you go to Mid-Ohio, as I've said in the past, um, it is the best drawing race on the AMA circuit, and it draws, you know, 50, 50 to 70, well, maybe not 50 to 70, but 50, 60,000 people now for a race weekend. In fact, it's um, not only is it the largest draw for the AMA, 
on race weekend. It's also the largest draw for Mid Ohio's race, for for a race at Mid Ohio, I guess I should say. So that's all a positive. <clears throat> the negative, and it's a huge negative, is that track is going to absolutely suck. Um, it's not a good Formula One track. It's I don't see how it's going to be a good uh, MotoGP track. Uh, I'm sorry. The other positive is if we have two races in the U.S., and especially if we have them back to back or some kind of you know, could you please bring the two fifties and the one two fives to both races? Um, the AMA has got another date now at Laguna. We don't need the AMA as a support series. Please bring the one two fives and the two fifties. Tends to be better racing than MotoGP. As much as we all want to see the top dogs, um, I'm all for good racing. And we're going to talk about that here in a second with uh, the race at Hareth about uh, some of the racing that was going on this weekend. But um, but my point is, is, I don't know. To me, it just gives more ammo to like, you know, the U.S. gets a second MotoGP race, and this is the track you run it on. I can see the whole rest of the world saying that. And they're not going to be wrong, okay? And they're not going to be wrong. So, anyways, so that'll uh, that'll take care of the news here. Let's hear from a couple of the boys in the Motorcycle Podcast group. And then we're going to talk about Hareth and uh, great, some great racing at Hareth this weekend. So, um, back to you on the other side of these, if I can uh, click the right buttons. Here we go. Listen up, everyone. If you ride a sport bike and you're not listening to the Knee Dragon podcast, you're not getting the whole story. The Knee Dragon podcast is motorcycle talk that doesn't suck. We cover all things sport bike related, from superbike and MotoGP racing to the newest street sport bikes, from riding technique to the latest technology. If it affects our sport, it's in the show. So check it out. www.kneedragon.net. Two hundred and forty horsepower, two hundred miles per hour, two wheels with no roll cage. This is the world of motorcycle road racing, the pinnacle of motorsport. I'm Bob Hayes, host of MotoGP OD, the podcast about motorcycle road racing. Tune in each week as we discuss what's happening in MotoGP, World Superbike, and AMA racing. Race reports, tech talk, opinion, reader email—we have it all. Just go to www.motogpod.com and subscribe. All right, so uh, some excellent, excellent racing at uh, Jerez this weekend. I'll start off with the one two five race. The opening couple laps there uh, were quite exciting. Just, uh, well, as you would expect, one two fives kind of all over the place, all kinds of interesting stuff going on there. It was uh, was a pretty solid. It was one of those things of it was a great opening couple laps, and the last couple laps were really good in the middle. Eh, you know, maybe not so much. Not as a typical one two five race would be. A little, little more stretched out than you would imagine. Um, but I do want to, um, I do want to, do, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Steve Bonzi, the American young American kid, uh, finished thirteenth in the one two five race. And I do want to give props to Toby and Julian. Uh, and I was, I had a this written down long before, well, I can't say long before, but before I even got the note from Toby. But uh, I did want to thank them uh, for talking about the kid. I think it's great that they're talking about uh, this American kid. He finished 13th 
And as they pointed out in the broadcast there, um, it's his second ever 125 race, you know, on a world level. It's his fifth race ever on pavement. This is a dirt track kid. His fifth ever race, and he's in the points in a world championship race. That is unbelievably phenomenal. I can't tell you how remarkable that is. Now, understand he's on some pretty good equipment. He's on the uh, KTM 125 bike. It's a very, very good bike. It's almost won the championship a couple years in a row with uh, with Mika Calio. But still, I mean, the kid has very little experience on that on you know on the bikes. I don't even know if they tested uh, before the season started. And one two five has some seriously seriously hardcore racers who've been racing on pavement since you know they were five. So. Very cool. Let's hope we uh, we do see some good things out of Steve in the future. Uh, I mean, you know, Kenny Roberts is kind of taking him under his under his wing. Let's let's hope for some good things. The uh, the two fifty race now. Holy mother! This was I I wrote this down after the race. I says this has got to be slotted in as probably one of my top ten races ever. Um, from lap. Oh, let me double check some of my other notes here. I have from about lap 14, and I think it was what, 25 lap race. So from lap 14 to, let's say about lap 22, <laughs> between uh, uh, between uh, uh, Alvaro Batista, uh, Davizioso, and, and Jorge, or as I like to call him, George, um, I don't know think I'm going to be able to call him the Lollipop Guild because I didn't see him having a lollipop on the podium here. So that's hmm, what's going on with that. Um, but those three had an unbelievable battle for for what those uh, eight, nine laps, three wide, multiple time, three wide turning in all at the same time and just back and forth. And Batista just pulling off some moves that were... <laughs> I think Toby and Julian were. I didn't know if they were going to die laughing because it was such good, you know, such a good race, and um, or they're going to pull their hair out. So, like, how's he doing this? It's, it was great. Uh, if you have not seen that, I would encourage you to go find the the race, whether on um, for those in the United States, if Speed, I don't know, if Speed broadcast it on uh, on Sunday or not. Uh, I was working on my truck, so I couldn't tell you. Um, for those uh, in other parts of the uh, world, uh, Eurosport or whoever happens to carry your coverage, Sky probably in some places, whoever carries it, go back and watch that. If you've got it on tape, on TiVo, it was great. And if it hasn't aired yet, make sure that you uh, you do record it. Or if you know where to go to get it off the interwebs, go download it. It's that good. Um, it's definitely worth watching um, a second and a third and a and a fourth time. It was it was that good of a race, uh, but at the end, uh, Jorge, who uh, you know was out out front early, dropped back and you know no one could figure out. Well, he got a little tangled up there. A little was there some? Uh, hold on, now I'm now I'm brain farting here. But there was a little something happened between him and uh, was it Barbara, and then he dropped back. And uh, everyone's speculating at, you know, 
head was rattled, lost his confidence, whatever, but uh, apparently just sat back, cooled his heels for a few laps, let everyone else cook their tires a little bit maybe. And then, um, yeah, it was about lap 14 or so, he uh, started making his move on up, and that's when all the fun and games really started. Then he t- comes out, uh, last two, three laps, was able to gap uh, Bautista and, and Davizioso and uh, and take the win. So that was uh, a tremendous, tremendous race. And um, I got a real kick out of his annex after on the, on the cool-down lap there, on the victory lap, you know, standing there like... Uh, you know, I did this in front of my family, but what really what really put it over the top for me is when he went and planted the flag uh, in the uh, in the gravel trap there. That was just that was great. I, I don't know why I just saw that and I was like that that's just that's just pure ego right there. That was that was very cool. So um, let's go back and talk about the uh, the finish in the one two five race here. Sorry, kind of got ahead of myself thinking about the the two uh, fifties there because it was it was that good. So I have it printed off here. Here we go. Um, your results, yeah, because uh, uh, between Talmashi and Peshek, that was that was a good last couple laps there. So uh, Talmashi was out front. Peshek just point uh, zero one four at the stripe. Uh, Faubel was third. Esperago with a with a very good run uh, in fourth place. Uh, Gadea in fifth, Nieto in sixth, Corsi in seventh, Olive in eighth, Ransetter in ninth, and Zanetti was in tenth. Your points uh, after two races here has uh, Talmachi in front with 45. Uh, Faubel is four points back. Uh, Peshik in third is, uh, that's nine points back. And uh, fourth place is Esperago he is 23 points, and then um, I don't feel like doing the math. So uh, Esperago is 22, Nieto has uh, 17 and 5th, DeRosa is 6 and 13th, tied with Olive, and then Gadea and Corsi tied at 11. Oh, Corsi, man, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a nasty off he had. He got in there too hot, and the front end just started bucking on him, and then uh, low-sided it, so that was... That was dramatic and then uh, koyama is in 10th with properly 10 points so that was your 250 and we have team or manufacturers points there we do not so taking this from uh from our friend chris over at road racer x in the uh, monday morning wake-up call where they printed off the results so i want to give uh, props to uh, chris and the crew over at road racer x for supplying this although a little more 250, 125 than the top 10 would be nice. So your 250 results was uh, Jorge uh, taking the win. Bautista, two-tenths back in second. Uh, Davizioso in third. with uh, He was uh, not quite half a second back. Then uh, DeAngelis in fourth. Debon on a wild card ride on the 08 development Aprilia uh, in fifth. Uh, Hiro Oyama. In uh, in six and a uh, huge shout out to Hero who's racing injured from that crash. Uh, apparently his hand is uh, is quite the mess, and so hopefully we'll be seeing him in the mix here very shortly. Uh, his brother Shui in seventh, uh, Takahashi in eighth, Anthony West in uh, in ninth, and uh, Heidolf in tenth. So um, didn't hear too much from uh, from Anthony 
Uh, didn't get a lot of coverage in the race, but, uh, well, it's because we're watching the Eurosport version where I'm sure if I watched the other version with old St. Nick, it would have been, they, he really wouldn't have cared about the top three. He would have just been talking about uh, Anthony the uh, the entire race. So your points, <clears throat> excuse me, after two races. Uh, Jorge out on top, perfect through two races with uh, 50 points. Uh, DeAngelis is 20, uh, 27, or excuse me, 17 points back in uh, second with 33. Then Davizioso, uh, 27. Bautista in fourth with 20. Takahashi is uh, in uh, fifth with 17. Barbara, 16th and 6th. Shui in uh, seventh place with 15. Luti in with 13 points in eighth. Deban in ninth place with 11. And then uh, Hiro is in 10th with, appropriately again, 10 points. And so, MotoGP race. Yes, that's team standings. Sorry, I'm just confirming a couple of things here before we talk about the MotoGP race. So, my headline for the MotoGP race at Jerez, the doctor bowls them over. Now, that's not a typical cheesy... Um, Newspaper headline, I don't know what it is. And, of course, if you've seen the antics or seen the pictures of the cool-down lap from uh, from Valentino, you will know exactly what that's all about, but we'll get to that here in a minute. So the race that went off and um, the Hobbit there got the got the whole shot from, um, from the start, led through a couple corners, and then Valentino said... Thank you very much. I'm by, and that was pretty much it. Valentino controlled the race from there. Game over. Anytime that uh, that Pedrosa tried to attack him within a lap, Rossi responded, and and that was it. He pretty much controlled the race. And at the at the stripe, it was much closer, but that's because Rossi was doing uh, doing wheelies up to uh, you know up to start finish line. So the finish on paper looked much closer than it really was. It was probably three and a half, four seconds before, before the last corner. But, um, you, you know, Rossi finally getting things straightened out and, you know, back on, back on track as far as Rossi is concerned. Now, um, our current world champion, Nick Hayden, having just all kinds of problems with the bike, got a tremendous start, went from, uh, went from what, 11th on the grid all the way up to fifth, sixth in the first couple corners, muscled his way up into fourth, had a, was running pretty solid there, pretty solidly in fourth. Although he was uh, definitely under attack from a couple people, including Hopkins, John Hopkins, and you could definitely see his his tires just went off with about ten to go, and he just started going backwards in a hurry from there. Now, unfortunately for Hopper, he was pushing so hard to get by people. The Suzuki has um, maybe the best handling bike in the paddock because he is just able to rail through corners and, and pick out some different lines from everyone. But you can definitely see that they need just a little bit more grunt because he's getting killed, getting stuck behind people. Um, he's either got to get some monster starts to get up front, or he's just going to have to start being um, almost Javen, Jason DeSalvo rude in, in getting through some guys uh, because he's definitely getting held up in spots. If he's got clear track in front of him, he's definitely able to run much, much quicker Um all the way. I mean, we're talking from uh, from on the brakes in mid corner. Maybe the only part that he doesn't have it is you know is on the corner exit when they're on the gas because it's just lacking that that little bit of grunt. 
And if they had a little bit more off, you know, a little bit more off the corner and just a skosh more on the top end, um, I think we'd definitely see the Suzuki really, really mixing it up there in the top four or five on a consistent basis. Um, but unfortunately, Hopper um, had the front wash out on him a couple corners after he, he got by Nick. And uh, that's just tough break for Hopper. He's he's had it rough. He's running so hard. He's literally putting he's leaving it all on the track. Let's just put it that way. He, he's not he's not coming home with anything in reserve. He's leaving it all on the track. And you got to respect the kid for that. So and then um, the fun one, to, the other fun one to watch over the over the race was was definitely Tony Elias as, as Julian and, and Toby were talking about through the broadcast. And I got to think they were talking. What did they call? They called him the um, articulating, the back end of the articulating bus. The way that he's riding, I, I get the, I get the reference. But my thought was watching him is is he literally is he's been watching video or at least the way that he's riding. It looks like he's been watching video from the six hundred races, AMA six hundred races back in the day with uh, with Yates and Nikki back in say the. Um, the late '90s, when it was uh, all the rage to back it into just about every corner. If you, or even if you watch Nick when his his first year or two in in MotoGP, you definitely saw him really uh, hanging the back end out, coming into corners, and you're seeing a ton of that with with uh, Tony Elias. Well, that that and the fact that when you get the camera shot from the backside, that is. That he's not just hanging one cheek off the off the bike; he's got both cheeks off the bike. Yeah, he's literally holding himself up with uh, on on the bike with the um, with the crook of his leg. I think sometimes it's uh, some crazy hanging off that he's doing. So, um, you know, Elias or Elias, however you want to talk, you know, whatever you want to call him, he's he's a bit of an enigma in that he's. Running great one race and not so great the next. Let's just hope we start to see some some consistency out of the kid because he's really really fun to watch and uh, I hope that he's uh, going to stick around for a couple of years. But I find it odd that he is he's not someone that I mean, having been brought up to the one two five and two fifty ranks. He's not someone you'd think to have sort of the the American dirt track style, but he's doing it. And I'm thinking or sort of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Postulating? I can't remember. There's there's a word I'm looking for and it'll come to me in a, in a minute. But my hypothesis is that, um, that Nick is obviously having such a hard time getting his bike turned that it he, you know, they, they keep talking about all the front end, the lack of front end feel and that it's not, not turning in the way that he wants it and he can't, doesn't have that smooth arc in. Uh, my thought is, is go back to some if if you're having that much of a problem getting it turned well then go back to what you know because it's it seems to be working for for Elias now I know that you can the way that the tires are constructed is a little different but seeing as how every person is getting their own specific tire this year I'm sure that Michelin can make some accommodations and they can make a tire in six hours good god um that maybe they can do something so that um Getting the back end, you know, turning with the back end, you can get the bike steered better the way that you want it. Um, and, you know, it's not the way that you want to do it, but it's a workaround. Now, the, the, 
to do that, you've got to mess with the electronics, with the traction control, with the spin, you know, spin control, traction control, call it what you want. Um, some of the elect- other electronics about the ability to uh, to get on the gas quicker, a little in- a little different on the throttle response. And I'm sure that that might have been one of the things they would have worked on in the in you know in the two days after the race when everyone was at Hareth. But uh, well, it rained on Monday and was still wet on Tuesday until the afternoon. And I get the idea there weren't a lot of solid laps run in the dry um, today, on being Tuesday when they did, did do that. So I don't know. Nick's got a rough rough run for him. Uh, Casey Stoner had another solid run, so uh, props to him. We're looking for uh, for continued good things from Casey. And with uh, Istanbul uh, as the next race here in Turkey and the couple long straights there, you got to be thinking that Casey might uh, might be thinking about a win. you got to be hoping that Caparossi and Ingrid are going to have their, have their child. So if that is what's really distracting him, um, you know, they claim it's not. Who knows? I'll... That at least he gets his mind straight and is back to uh, back to full form because he's killing me. I picked him to win the championship this year. He's he's definitely on. You know they got the bike to win, um, but he's just not doing the business. And as hot as he was at the end of last, actually all last year, I don't know what's going on over there. So kind of puzzling. And then of course um, Colin Edwards, solid run, and uh, good to see Colin back on the podium. I always like Colin. He's always good. He's, you know, if you ever, if you ever want a good quote, all you gotta do is go to Colin, right? He's he's always gonna have a, a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent uh, answer for you. So, your results were uh, Valentino winning, uh, the Hobbit in second. Colin was uh, was the final podium spot, and then uh, of course we had um, Elias Stoner, Cheka, Hayden in, finished in seventh, Melandry in eighth. Um, and then Vermeulen in ninth. Both of those guys apparently just unbelievably sick with the flu. Uh, Nakano in tenth. Baros in eleventh. Caparossi twelfth. Never good when the satellite bikes beat in the factory bike. Although it's good because you know our friend uh, Liam Schubert on the uh, Dantine team. It's good to see that Dantine is, uh, is 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 legit this year. So it's cool. Uh, Depunye disappointing thirteenth. Makoto Tamata fourteenth. Gintoli in fifteenth. Um, Kenny Jr. in 16th, just out of the points. Uh, apparently, the transmission started going bad with a couple laps to go. He was, I think, he was running in um, 10th, 10th spot, and then just went backwards in a hurry. Um, Akiyoshi, the development writer for Suzuki, was in 17th. Jacques in 18th. That's very disappointing for him. And then Hopkins, who when he crashed but he rebounded, uh, was 19th. And then. Uh, uh, Hoffman was a, a DNF and got black flagged because I guess uh, problems with his bike on the opening lap went in and they switched bikes and sent him back out, which is uh, a no-no. So, your points after two rounds has Valentino on top by nine with uh, 45 over Stoner in second with 36, tied with the Hobbit also at 36. Uh, Colin now in fourth with 26. Uh, Marco is in fifth spot with 19 points. Nick is in sixth place with 17 points. Uh, Vermeulen in seventh with 16. Uh, Elias in eighth with 15. Hopper in ninth with 13. Baros in tenth with 12. And then uh, Nakano, Cheka, Hoffman, Caparossi, Jacques, Tamata, and Gintali. Your team standings. 
Um, the Fiat Yamaha team on top was 71, Repsol Honda 53 in second. The Ducati Marlboro team in third with 40. Uh, fourth is uh, Grissini Honda. Uh, fifth, Rizla Suzuki. Sixth, Pramac Dantine. Seventh, Konica Minolta. Eighth, Honda LCR. Ninth, Kawasaki. Tenth is uh, Tech Trois. And eleventh is the Team Roberts bike. As far as Moto, as far as the manufacturer standings, it's a Yamaha with 45, Ducati 36, Honda 36, uh, Suzuki 20, Kawasaki 7, and Kenny with 3. And then, of course, the uh, two things after the race one, of course, I'm sure everyone saw the little antics that uh, Valentino did with the bowling pins. And he had the pin that was uh, a little shaky and then eventually fell down. Yeah, you know, it's all staged. It's all in good fun. I had heard at one time there was supposed to be the number of pins was the number of races without a win. I'm sure there was some meaning behind all that. Who knows what it was? It's Valentino. It's just good to see that he's, uh, you know, back in form and having some fun again with uh, with the antics on, you know, after the race. And then I guess the other thing I sort of got a kick out of was the fact that uh, uh, Colin and Valley taking the trophies, pouring champagne into them, which were like little chalice cups, and then drinking out of toasting each other and, and having a drink after the race. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, that will wrap up uh, the MotoGP at Jerez. Very good uh, race weekend. Now a few weeks off before they go to uh, Turkey and Istanbul. Apparently everything's getting shipped directly there, so... We will see. Great uh, was, you know, probably the 250 last year, 250 in the uh, MotoGP race were some of the best races ever last year at uh, at the Istanbul track. Just a, a great layout, uh, lends itself to some great racing. So we'll see how that pans out here in a few weeks, and we'll talk more about that here uh, as we get to it. I uh, want to touch briefly on Donington this weekend. Not a not a ton to go into. They've had uh, several weeks off since the, uh, since the round at Phillip Island. And if the first two rounds are going to tell us anything. It's you got to believe it's going to be the uh, Toslin and and uh, Bayless show with um, with Corser Haga and um, the Emperor uh, making an appearance. A few others mixing it up in there as well. But so far, it uh, you know Toslin and Bayless uh, pretty much the class of the field this year. So we'll see what uh, how that pans out. Very excited to see. I'm going to interested in. His, see all the activities that are uh, that are going on around that to who shows up I and mean, one of the things i thought was really really cool for the philip island race was uh, bringing back all the old racers and the leathers you know and the old leathers to uh, to do some parade laps i thought that was pretty neat i hope they do much more of that here at the at the donnington race so uh we're gonna hear one from uh, one more guys in the uh, mpg and then um a little some some thoughts on what's going on with ama pro racing and uh, then we'll get out of here for the night and uh, let you get on to the rest of your life. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, one more thing from the MPG, and uh, we'll be back at you here in a second. I just got to find. Oh, where is it? There it is. There's Tim. Calling all Canadians. Do you ride a bike on the back of a bike or daydream about either one? Do you like to lumber along on a Sunday morning or scrape your pegs in the twisties? Do you like to dodge sand dunes or ford rivers? Well, if you answered yes to any of the above, then why not give a listen to the Twisted Wrist podcast? The Twisted Wrist is the first podcast dedicated to the Canadian rider from a Canadian perspective. So why not toss on your jacket and gloves, lace up your boots, strap on your lid, and plug into the Twisted Wrist. Your ticket to Northern Adventure is at twistedwrist.blogspot.com. The Twisted Wrist, 
podcasting with a mouthful of bugs. So everyone who's listened to the show for a few episodes knows that I've been highly, highly critical of the way the AMA has been running things uh, in uh, for the AMA Pro Racing as far as the motorcycle side of road racing side of stuff has been for a long time. I mean, this goes back long before the show, you know, this show, this goes back to six, seven years ago with, with my site, with, with the old site, rumblestrip.net. So it gives you an idea that nothing like beating a dead horse, right? Um, but hey, I gotta, I gotta give the AMA some props. They appear to be recovering from their near terminal, uh, case of rectal cranial inversion, also known as having your head up your ass. They are getting more things right than wrong, which is, is somewhat shocking. Um, they made the decision to drop super stock in 408, right? Yeah, 08. Uh, they're dropping the super stock, which is your 1,000cc, you know, production-based racing, because it was, it was a duplicate, basically, of superbike racing, the fact that the times are so close. Um, you know, Ben Spee's on his, on his super stock bike is probably within a second of what he runs on his superbike. That's, that's not good. Uh, and like, and it's basically a duplication of efforts. Now, in some ways, I feel bad for some of the guys because it's so much more expensive to run superbike than super stock. But if the bikes are that good, you can run in superbike with what you have as a super stock and be at least as competitive, maybe even more competitive, given some of the filler that they have in the superbike race. Um, so that's good. I, I approve of that. They um, are opening up the superbike rules and are looking at, quote-unquote, all their options, including what's being done in World Superbike and such. Look, I will stand up and applaud them and give them massive props if they go and do the right thing and just say, okay, World Superbike, what are you guys doing? Great, we're going to adopt those rules. For this reason alone, if you want to grow the sport, you're going to need more than the big Japanese four. Now, I understand that they got their hooks in so deep in the AMA, it's obscene. We're not going to go there on this one, okay? But if you open it up and expand it to what World Superbike's going to do, and if World Superbike follows through on what they're going to say they've been doing, 1,200cc twins, 1,000cc fours, all of a sudden you've got many more manufacturers that are could be interested in running. Um... Okay, Ducati's going to come back. Uh, Moto Guzzi is talking about running in Superbike. BMW is talking about Superbike, not MotoGP. Uh, KTM has been talking about Superbike. Um, Aprilia's got two new bikes coming out that they could run. They have a 1,000cc V4, and supposedly they're also redoing the Mille as a 1,200cc twin. Okay, so all of a sudden you have all these more manufacturers coming in. That's a whole lot more money, and all those people. Let's say, let's say three, three of those manufacturers come in to run Superbike. That's six more riders that are going to be needing rides, and maybe it'll come from the U.S. Maybe it'll come from they'll come from wherever. Doesn't matter. Just the fact that they would be coming in would be great. So if they do that, massive props. Now in dropping. The super stock class, they're left with three classes, and you get the impression that they're going to add one or two more classes to that. Now, 
Um, USGPRU now has two 125 races um, that are running in conjunction um, like under the official AMA flag. So it's not like the uh, promoters of the race are adding this. This is un- running under full AMA sanction, which is cool. So, hey, as I've said before, I'm a former 125 racer. I love the bikes. I wish I could be out there riding on them again. Um, and trust me, if I had one and could ride, I'd be going to the races um, to run in them. Well, maybe not the Utah race, but certainly down at Road Atlanta where they've added a second one. So could there be a possibility of 125s being added in here? I think that would be outstanding. Um, in some ways, they'd be smart to eliminate people like me and um, have it as a class where, you know, 13 to 14 years old up to the age of, let's say, 25 and just restrict it to that age group so that it is a beginner class to get people running with the AMA and use it as a feeder class. I think that would be a very, 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 very smart thing to do. The other thing I think that they need to do is then, um, I suggested this and I've seen a couple other people have different variations on this. I said two, I said three years, other people said two, but every, let's say every two to three years, you put out a bid, what manufacturer wants to run the spec spec bike class, in, in a sense, like the old Harley Davidson 883 Sportster class, um, and as someone someone made a great point. Every two three years, new models coming out. So you know, for two years, it could be the SV 650 class. The next year, Honda wants you know Honda decides, okay, we really want to push our new CBR 600. Great. So for two years, it'll be that. Then you know, rotate it so it's not the same manufacturer. Everyone gets some exposure, um, and the manufacturers have to pay. Pay to get in, pay to do, pay for the rights to have this, and then they have to supply some type of real purse, not you know a thousand dollars to win the, the joke payments that we have for um, for purses in AMA racing. So, and use that, and then have that as some type of feeder class where if you're running that, you can't run say super bike and maybe super stock, or you're limited to running one other class. Basically what you want to do is you want to keep out the full bore factory guys from there. Use it maybe some of the factory support guys, um, more the privateer or privateers that the factories have their eyes on that they're trying to bring up. That's what you want to see. If they do that, if they can do those couple things, the AMA series will look so good. I mean, it will it will leap, leaps. It'll go from being a Patronus to being... Uh, a Tenkata, you know, a Tenkata superbike almost. I mean, it'd be that huge of a leap. So, anyways, that's my uh, that's my thought. So, as I said, I do want to give the AMA some props. I'm very, very hard on them, and I think rightly so. But when they do get things right, hey, I got to give them credit. So, um, you know, John Ulrich is on the board over there. Generally, I'm surprised at how much he and I think alike on a lot of things, which is pretty damn scary um and he's not he's you know he's flat out said i cannot discuss what goes on in these meetings but he's sort of made some comments that lead you to believe along these lines so if this happens great and we'll see so it's sort of a wait and see at this point so that will uh, that will take care of the show for this week and i promise i will uh, definitely hit you with the show next week with don with the race at donnington i do want to tell you that um probably a couple days after the show comes out. It's supposed to be April 1st, but let's say the first week in April. 
Uh, I want you to start looking for the Sidestand Cafe, which you'll be able to find at uh, sidestandcafe.com. There's just a uh, holder page up there right now, but episode one is done. Uh, I believe it's in the can, maybe some final polishing of the show. Uh, Prue's working on that. And um, so that should be coming out April 1st or within a couple days of April 1st. That'll be episode number one of the Sidestand Cafe. I am not on episode one. However, I am on an episode two, and uh, we're having a conference call to discuss episode two, which should be out uh, right about the 1st of May. And that will be talking about the purchase of a new motorcycle or maybe not brand new, but new to you type motorcycle. So I'm excited to see how that goes. It's a good group of people we're working with, and uh, it's a project I'm very, very excited about. I uh, do want to give uh, props out to everyone in the Motorcycle Podcast group. So Prue, Nate, Dr. Dave, the whole crew over at Motocast, uh, Bob Hayes, Jim Race, and uh, Jules Chisick over at the MotoGPOD. And, of course, Liam Schubert, who helps over there quite a bit as well. Uh, Greg from the V-Twin Journal. Ray came back from the uh, pod fade, or uh, as he calls it, life. <laughs> so knee Dragon, uh, the Knee Dragon Podcast has uh, had a show out. Uh, our friend D.B. Cooper over at the Road Race Podcast. Uh, I'm sure he's doing a ton of things these days. Uh, Alan over at uh, WSBKPod.com. i got to believe he's going to be coming back online now that the season uh, is in full bore. Uh, Tim up at the Twisted Wrist in Canada. And, of course, uh, our friend Paul out in California with the Moto World. So everyone at the Moto in the uh, Motorcycle Podcast group, uh, props to everyone. Go check out the shows. So with that, we are going to wrap it up for the day. I uh, got some music to take us out today. It was sort of inspired by Hareth and the Spanish sound. Uh, I looked at what I had. Well, we've already sort of done the Gypsy Kings. That's more, you know, Spanish, flamenco, call it what you want. Um, we've done we've done the Gypsy Kings. I was looking, did I have anything else? I looked, Miles Davis, Sketches of Spain. Yeah, maybe not so much. So what else did I have that kind of fit the mold? Uh, came upon a great group. A very, very cool documentary movie. Uh, you know, sort of a super group thing put together. And it was Cuban, but Latin, Spanish, you get the vibe here. So and take you out with the uh, Buena Vista Social Club today. So uh, so till we talk to each other again uh, next week. Uh, oh, before we talk to each other, tell you all your friends about the show. Burn them a CD. Give it to them so they can listen to it on their commute. Uh, point them in the direction of the show. Share it. Spread the Spread the word. Spread the gospel that is rumble strip radio so now until i talk to you again next week have fun be good most importantly keep it on two wheels we'll see you soon Yeah.
caí, chan, chan, en el mar se mía arena, como sacudí el jibe, a chan, chan le daba pena. Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved.